Hello and welcome to Maths on the Move, the podcast from plus.maths.org. I'm Rachel Thomas. In this run of podcasts, we're revisiting our interviews with the six female mathematicians whose portraits form part of the Women of Mathematics photo exhibition. The exhibition was launched in Berlin in the summer of 2016 and celebrates female mathematicians from institutions throughout Europe. When Cambridge hosted the exhibition in 2017, which was when the Cambridge mathematicians contributed their portraits, my colleague Marianne Freiberger had the opportunity to interview these women about their work and their lives. In today's podcast, we revisit our 2017 interview with Anne-Christine Davis, Professor of Theoretical Physics. Anne was the first female professor in the maths faculty at the University of Cambridge. And happily, she told us that over her long career, she's seen attitudes towards women change for the better. But as you'll hear, she had to put up with quite a lot at the start. Would you like to start off by introducing yourself, please? Uh, yes, I'm Anne-Christine Davis. I'm Professor of Mathematical Physics 1967, fancy title. So this is one of the named chairs in the Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics. It's actually the first of the established chairs, other than the Lucasian, which is the whole of mathematics. Okay, great. So could you tell us how and when did you choose to do mathematics? I'm really a theoretical physicist. So I've always been fascinated by science, how things work by nature, you know, the stars in the sky. From a very, very young age, I became interested in science. A little story there. Do you want me to go? Yeah. When I was, when I first started school, the teacher put flashcards up. A is for apple, B is for banana, C is for I can't remember what. And teachers are alphabet. And fine, okay. Then she did it again. And I thought, that's strange, she's done that once. We all know this now, why is she doing it again? And the teacher picked this up, that I had learnt my alphabet first time round and gave me a bucket of water, a pipette essentially, to play with. And I learnt a little bit about specific gravity. And I thought, oh, I want to be a scientist. This is fun. <laughs> so I was five then. Um, I realised that to understand physics, one has to understand mathematics that the two are intertwined, and you can't do physics without mathematics. Since I'm not a natural experimentalist, despite that little story, um, I became a theoretical physicist, and of course that brought me into mathematics, and some physics, a lot of physics is underpinned by absolutely beautiful mathematics, like Einstein equations, for example. Um, okay, and what is it like being a female mathematician stroke theoretical physicist? Oh, it's a lot easier now than it used to be. Um, when I was young, I 
didn't really think about it. I, at school, I was the only girl doing A-level physics, which was actually quite, uh, and A-level mathematics actually, and chemistry. It was quite isolating because I would work by myself and the boys would work together until a lad in the year above me failed his A-levels and retook and then he and I worked together and he liked working with me because I was bright and I quite liked working with him because I had someone to work with. So when I went to university I went to Royal Holloway to do physics and it was a bit more of a revelation because having come from a mixed inner city comprehensive school being the only one doing physics any girl when I got to university there were other women doing A-level physics doing BS a degree in physics sorry in fact there were about five of us in our lecture, lecture room female but of course as I went on and I realised that I was you know, I did my PhD and again I was in a group with or guys, it was a bit isolating because you don't really have a close friend. I used to have friends in different research groups to mine, but not in my own research group. And I think I really struck me when I came out of my PhD viva and one of the lecturers said, you know, oh, congratulations, um, so uh, when are you going to get married? And I looked slightly surprised. I said, well, you've got your PhD now, so what's there left for you to do but marry Tony, my then boyfriend? And since I had no intentions of marrying Tony, I was really quite shocked. And my a senior member in my department had a, a postdoc that he was offering. And I said, oh, are there any women applying? And he turned around and said, I wouldn't give a job to a woman when there was a man there because a man has a family to look after whereas a woman has a husband to look after her. And I kind of realised that the attitudes that I thought were outdated were still there. And, you know, this has sort of gone on, I'm afraid, almost throughout my career that I've come up against being the, the woman. Um, well, I survived that experience. I did do a postdoc. My first postdoc was quite hard. My second postdoc was fantastic. I was at Imperial College. I was in the group of Tom Kibble. And whilst I wasn't working in that area of Tom, in fact, Tom wasn't that active at the time, Tom was definitely a mentor. Tom Kibble had two daughters and a son. He was desperately supportive of women and women in physics and from that point on until his recent death Tom was very supportive of me so you know I think my luck really changed as a postdoc in Imperial uh, I went to CERN for my a next postdoc and that was there were other women around in, at CERN. I had friends in the experimental group. There were senior women theorists hanging around, but they were in 
the University of Annecy or somewhere else. They weren't actually appointed in CERN. And I didn't realise at the time, in fact, I've only realised a few years ago, that I was the first woman to have a, a job in the theory division at CERN. So that's sort of something that took me a bit, bit, bit of a shock. I'm, I'm pleased I didn't know that when I was there because I don't know if I could have coped. You know, it's sort of being... I was the first to go to university in my family and being the first woman here and the first woman there, so I think, hang on a minute, I'm not sure about this. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, in this... In Cambridge, when I first came to Cambridge on a five-year research fellowship... It was actually quite a hard place to be, a woman. Um, Ruth Williams was here. She was a college teaching officer in Girton and not really regarded as part of the mainstream. One thing is that her research wasn't central to what the research groups were doing, but also I think she, wasn't, she was treated a bit like a second-class citizen when, when I first arrived. And I came with this prestigious five-year fellowship and I was treated like a second-class citizen. And, you know, you suddenly realised that Cambridge was quite a hard place to be a woman. Slowly things have improved and now it's changed completely. You know, it's changed out of all recognition. Quite a lot of that was down to an inspirational head of department we had years ago now, David Crichton who set the ball rolling, recognised the achievements of some of the women and essentially found ways of making, getting them appointed into university positions. And his former research student, who's our now head of department, seems to be following in that line. So I don't so, know if I've answered that question. Yes, no, very good. <laughs> well, it's very interesting to hear that perspective. Okay. Um, so what advice would you give to a young woman now who is thinking about going into mathematics? Oh, I think that if they want to go into mathematics or science in general, if they're interested, they need to persevere and follow their dream. If someone says you're not good enough or someone says women don't do maths, just ignore them or tell them they're wrong. And prove they're wrong. Just, you know, if you really want to do it, just persevere so you can do it. Okay, great. And um, for you personally, what are the joys of doing, well, mathematics, theoretical physics, and what are the challenges? I mean, my biggest joy now is being a PhD supervisor and advisor to younger people and watching them flower. They come as, you know just finished their degrees and they blossom over the three or four years into being great researchers and this is fantastic. I now have several research students, former research students who are in faculty positions, in fact several women. So I've got uh, two very successful women. One of them is in Nottingham, another in Imperial, both of them thriving, leaders in the field. And It's fantastic. This is my biggest joy now of watching these people develop. But, you know, also, I still get a kick. I, I've just come back from delivering the Owen Fest Colloquium in Leiden. And as far as I can tell, I'm the second woman in the history of this colloquium to do it. It's quite amusing because you sign the wall afterwards. 
And so I've signed the wall. I mean, there's quite a lot of signatures, but there's also Einstein there. Wow. So, um, rather overwhelming com- you know, company. My, when I first, when I was first thinking about this, I, I was a bit overwhelmed. Well, I know that they haven't had women for years doing this one. And, but, no, you can do it, you know. And in a way, I still get the kick out of realising that my work is appreciated. Mm, yes. and as well as developing the younger generation. So yeah. could you tell us what your work is, work is about? Well, my work recently, over many years now, has been... Um, it's, it's in theoretical cosmology. We discovered that the universe is undergoing a late period of accelerated expansion. So we knew that there was a steady expansion of the universe. This is what um, we get from looking at Einstein equations in a what's called a Freeman-Robertson-Walker in a cosmological solution. But it seems to have undergone this accelerated expansion that was when when we realized, found it out, it was completely surprising. And I've been trying to understand that. The approach I've taken is rather than saying, oh, it's a cosmological constant that Einstein put in and then try to explain why it's a funny scale, it's thinking that it's dynamical and it's coming from the dynamics of a field. So I've added an extra field to Einstein gravity. It's called a chameleon. <laughs> well, that's the one I... It's easiest to describe. And this gives should give you an extra force, a fifth force. But the way the chameleon mechanism works, the behaviour of the chameleon depends on the environment. So when the environment's very dense, like in the solar system, the extra force is screened because the chameleon becomes quite massive. But cosmologically, it's massless and unscreened, so it gives you extra effects in the cosmos. So, last question, like, could you um, tell us about one of your favourite scientific experiences? Perhaps a eureka moment or, or maybe even something at school, like, like you already to- talked about, the water bucket. And I think there's been... There's been quite a few eureka moments. I mean, one of the eureka moments was actually um, writing down this chameleon theory and suddenly realising that no there isn't a fifth force actually it works like this you know, we have this screening around the fifth force when matter is dense this is how it works and you know, suddenly realising that on the paper, no, piece of paper you've got, wow, that's incredible. That was Anne Christine Davis talking to my colleague Marianne Freiberger in 2017. You can hear our more recent interview with Anne when we spoke to her on the occasion of a conference in her honour in 2018 in the features section of the Cambridge Maths Faculty website, maths.cam.ac.uk. 
and you could read about her recent prize-winning research from last year in our plus.maths.org article called On the Road to Dark Energy with Chameleons. And you can see all the Cambridge posters from the Women of Mathematics exhibition and find out more about their work and their mathematical lives at plus.maths.org forward slash content forward slash women. And stay tuned to this podcast for the rest of the interviews with these brilliant women of mathematics over the coming weeks. The music in this podcast is from the band Yusa and the track is called Plankton. Thanks for listening and bye bye for now.